Hello everyone and welcome back to the Mimetic Exegete podcast. I'm your host, Simon Skidmore. In this series, we've been working our way through the book of Isaiah. As we've seen, the book of Isaiah is comprised of a series of oracles which denounce the oppression of the poor and marginalized by Israel's rulers. In response, Isaiah prophesies Israel's destruction, which functions as a type of second exodus, as it frees the poor and marginalized from their oppressors. Following the nation's demise, Israel will be rebuilt. But this time, instead of being characterized by wickedness and injustice, Israel will become a beacon of righteousness for the nations, even inspiring foreign peoples to imitate their example. The prophet provides another description of this renewed Israel as we read on from chapter 32. Behold, a king will rule in righteousness, and princes will reign in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. Then the eyes of those who will see will not be closed, and the ears of those who will hear will give attention. The heart of the hasty will understand and know, and the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak distinctly. The fool will no more be called noble, nor the scoundrel said to be honourable. For the fool speaks of folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity. To practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied, and to deprive the thirsty of drink. As for the scoundrel, his devices are evil. He plans wicked schemes to ruin the poor with lying words, even when the plea of the needy is right. But he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands." Again, we are told that a righteous king will lead this renewed Israel into a more positive direction. Everyone will share in the prosperity and justice of this new kingdom, and not just the leaders who ravage and exploit the poor for their own ends. No longer will the eyes of the officials be blinded to the plight of the poor and marginalized, but everyone will enjoy peace and safety in the land. People will see and understand clearly as mimetic desire and rivalry is purged from the land. They will exercise wisdom and discernment to pursue noble goals for the good of the whole nation and not just a privileged few. Reading on now from verse 9. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. In little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent women, for the grape harvest fails, the fruit harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease, shudder, you complacent ones, strip and make yourselves bare and tie sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people growing up in thorns and briars. Yes, for all the joyous houses in the exultant city, for the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted. The city and the watchtower will become dens forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks. Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places." 
and it will hail when the forest falls down, and the city will be utterly laid low. Happy are you who sow beside all waters, who let the feet of the ox and the donkey range free. From his vision of a renewed Israel, Isaiah now shifts his focus to the women of the ruling class who enjoy a life of luxury and ease while the rest of the nation struggles to survive. These people trust that their riches and position will never fail them, but Isaiah prophesies their imminent downfall. In little more than a year, these women will be horrified because a famine will cut off their luxurious supply of wine and choice fruits. These people will mourn the loss of their luxury as Israel is destroyed and deserted. Yet again, the prophet ends on a note of hope for the land. As the Lord pours out his spirit from on high, restoring wealth and prosperity to the deserted wasteland. With their oppressors vanquished, the poor and marginalized of Israel will rebuild a prosperous nation, characterized by peace and prosperity. Oppression is completely foreign to this new country, as even the ox and the wild donkey roam in the land unrestricted. Reading on now from chapter 33. Ah, you destroyer, who yourself have not been destroyed, you traitor, whom no one has betrayed. When you have ceased to destroy, you will be destroyed. And when you have finished betraying, they will betray you. O Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in the time of trouble. At the tumultuous noise, people flee. When you lift yourself up, nations are scattered, and your spoil is gathered as the caterpillar gathers, as locusts leap, it is leapt upon. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. He will be the stability of your times. Abundance of salvation, wisdom and knowledge, the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. Behold, their heroes cry in the streets, the envoys of peace weep bitterly, the highways lie waste, the traveller ceases, covenants are broken, cities are despised, there is no regard for people. The land mourns and languishes, Lebanon is confounded and withers away, Sharon is like a desert, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their leaves. Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. You conceive chaff. You give birth to stubble. Your breath is a fire that will consume you. And the peoples will be as if burned to lime, like thorns cut down that are burned in the fire. Hear you who are afar off what I have done. And you who are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid, trembling, who seized the godless? Who among us can dwell with this consuming fire? Who among us can dwell with the everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, who despises the gain of oppressions, who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking upon evil. He will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the forest of the rocks. His bread will be given to him. His water will be secure. Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. They will see a land that stretches afar. Your heart will muse on terror. Where is he who counted? Where is he who weighed tribute? Where is he who counted the towers? You will see no more the insolent people the people of an obscure speech that you cannot comprehend, stammering in a tongue that you cannot understand. 
Behold, Zion, the city of our appointed feasts. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, an untroubled habitation, an immovable tent, whose stakes will never be plucked up, nor will any of its cords be broken. But there the Lord in majesty will be for us, a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley with oars can go, nor majestic ship can pass. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. He will save us. Your cords hang loose. They cannot hold the mast firm in place or keep the sail spread out. Then prey and spoil and abundance will be divided. Even the lame will take the prey. And no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. Isaiah now turns his attention to the world power of his time, probably Assyria, who will ultimately be destroyed. This destroyer who has betrayed many will now be destroyed themselves as their betrayal is mirrored back upon their own heads. The destroyer's breath or spirit is a fire that consumes them. In other words, the destroyer is now destroyed by the same treachery and violence which he unleashes upon the nations as rival nations imitate their violence and desire for power. Hence the rise and fall of empire as rival powers imitate the violence of their overlords in an attempt to overthrow them and wrest power and riches from their grasp. Again, the prophet portrays the Lord as the driving force behind the destroyer's destruction as he inspires the desire of rival nations. The Lord is exalted as the destroyer's riches is reduced to chaff and straw, which is easily blown away by the wind. In response, the nations tremble before the Lord and his violence. However, the prophet assures the people that they will be safe from the Lord's violence so long as they walk in righteousness and exercise justice. A new king will arise in his majesty and replace the destroyer who once plundered the land for tribute. Under this new king, Zion, that is Israel, will enjoy peace and prosperity under the Lord's rule. The ships need no longer be prepared for battle or for commerce because Israel has everything they need right there at home, an abundance of prey and spoil and prosperity in their own land. Reading on now from chapter 34. Draw near, O nations, to hear, and give attention, O peoples. Let the earth hear and all that fills it. From the world and all that comes from it. For the Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their host. He has devoted them to destruction. He has given them over for slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out and the stench of their corpses shall rise. The mountains shall flow with their blood and all the host of heaven shall rot away. And the skies roll up like a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall, as leaves fall from the vine, like leaves falling from the fig tree. For my sword has drunk its fill in the heavens. Behold, it descends for judgment upon Edom, upon the people I have devoted to destruction. The Lord has a sword. It is sated with blood. It is gorged with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Bozrah and a great slaughter in the land of Edom. Wild oxen shall fall with them, and young steers with the mighty bulls. Their land shall drink its fill of blood, and their soil shall be gorged with fat. 
For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. And the streams of Eden shall be turned to pitch, and her soil into sulphur, and her land shall become burning pitch. Night and day it shall never be quenched, its smoke shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste, none shall pass through it forever and ever. But the hawk and the porcupine shall possess it, the owl and the raven shall dwell in it. He shall stretch the line of confusion over it, and the plumb line of emptiness. Its nobles, there is no one there to call it a kingdom, and all its princes shall be nothing. Thorns shall grow over its strongholds, nettles and thistles in its fortresses. It shall be the haunt of jackals, an abode for ostriches, and wild animals shall meet with hyenas. The wild goat shall cry to his fellow, indeed, there the night bird settles and finds for herself a resting place. There the owl nests and lays and hatches and gathers her young in her shadow. Indeed, there the hawks are gathered, each one with her mate. Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of these young shall be missing. None shall be without her mate. For the mouth of the Lord has commanded and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them. His hand has portioned it out to them with the line. They shall possess it forever. From generation to generation, they shall dwell in it. The prophet now turns his attention to Edom, Israel's neighbor who likewise will be destroyed. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, there is some sibling rivalry between Israel and Edom who are cast as the offspring of the rival brothers Jacob and Esau in the Genesis narrative. You may recall that in Numbers chapter 20, Israel is forced to seek an alternate route to Canaan when Edom refuses them passage through their land. Apparently, King David conquered Edom during his reign, but during the reign of his descendant Jehoram, the Edomites revolted and appointed their own king. Obadiah prophesies Edom's destruction as a consequence for his refusal to defend Israel from his enemies. Now, Isaiah prophesies Edom's destruction, again employing the apocalyptic imagery of the land being rolled up like a scroll and the stars falling from the sky. The Lord devotes Edom to destruction as a sacrifice to himself. We call this language the ban. It describes a total utter destruction allowing nothing to live and it functions as a type of quasi-sacrifice. Isaiah depicts the Lord's sword as being satiated with blood and the land drinking in the blood of this almighty massive sacrifice which brings total and utter destruction. Notice the mimetic violence inspired by the Lord is depicted through the imagery of sulfur and pitch which is associated with fire and destruction. With Edom utterly destroyed, wild beasts and birds inhabit the land and make it their home. With no one to maintain the land, Edom is overgrown with weeds and transformed into a desolate wasteland. Having prophesied Edom's destruction, Isaiah then presents a contrasting vision of Israel's respiration in chapter 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. 
Strengthen the weak hands and make firm feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, with the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert, and burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness." The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk in the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Chapters 34 and 35 parallel the life of Israel and Edom's eponymous ancestors, the rival brothers, Jacob and Esau. In the Genesis narrative, Jacob steals his brother's blessing and birthright. Now, Isaiah depicts the Israelite remnant enjoying the blessing of the Lord, while Edom suffers divine destruction and expulsion from their land. The land of Edom lies deserted and desolate, but the Israelite remnant returns to their land to enjoy peace and prosperity. Healing waters now flow in this once parched land, in contrast to Edom, whose rivers are dried and filled with pitch. The restoration of Israel is complete. As the blind receive their sight, the hearing of the deaf is restored, and the paralytic rejoices as he leaps with all the agility of a young deer. This oasis is characterized by joy and holiness and protected from outside influences which would otherwise defile and destroy it. Thanks again for joining me on the Mimetic Exegete podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you may do so on the Mimetic Exegete Facebook group. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.